Look at my butt. Show number 177 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Pudding. I, I associate pudding and Bill. Chocolate pudding. <laughs> Tell me about the chocolate pudding. Well, one day this week, I believe it was Wednesday, was chocolate pudding day. Really? Who knew? But, um, so Bill posted or tweeted something <laughs> about happy chocolate pudding day. And on the the Shatner Facebook group, people started talking about Bill and chocolate pudding. <gasps> Never really directly referring to the, the fabulous video, <laughs> but um, I posted something about that I had told a friend of mine, meaning you, <sighs> about um, how Bill makes love to the camera with his eyes, mm-hmm. and that your response was, is it better than him eating pudding? <laughs> <laughs> well, a newbie posted, this is so great. Is Bill such an enthusiastic pudding eater? <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds so filthy. That sounds I like know. the filthiest thing I've ever heard. Yes. Yes, it does. It does sound wonderful. <laughs> and, and, and as you say, filthy. But so I posted back immediately, oh, honey, <laughs> that's all I put. And like a bunch of people liked it. They absolutely knew what I was talking so about. I posted the link to the YouTube video. Somebody did at some point, but I was on my oh, iPhone. Okay. And so I wasn't about to go looking for this damn link and putting it up and everything like that. And I thought, oh, honey, just sort of covered it all when it comes to enthusiastic pudding oh, that's eating. wonderful. Well, that's Bill. He's enthusiastic. He eats his pudding with 110% of effort and enthusiasm. <laughs> I think he needs a baseball cap that says enthusiastic pudding eater. <laughs> it's a great phrase. That, that's pretty close to vitally attracted, I think. <laughs> it, it is, and it sounds much it filthier. It really does. Oh, It I really does. That. So that's really all I had to say about chocolate pudding, but I have been just sort of giggling and smirking about that now for several days. It's really wonderful. Um, Before I forget, I just wanted to pass along a quick anecdote. Um, I was having dinner with my mom the other day, who's uh, 83 years old, just about Bill's age, Mm -hmm. and she knows how into Bill I am, and she loves him too, and... um, we were just talking about things, and she mentioned that he was going to be on Hot in Cleveland because she watches that show. And uh, she said, you know, I've seen him on the news, and I've seen him doing promotion for Hot in Cleveland and all these things. He just does everything. Bill is everywhere. And she just said that really <laughs> spontaneously. And I was like, yeah, Mom, oh, he is. She said, isn't he just great? He has so much energy. And I was like, you got oh. that right. Amazing. He is amazingly great. So that was a testimony unsolicited from my little 83-year-old Italian mom. Well, great. Um, I have to share a little something, how Bill informed my life in the past week. First of all, I am super into saying yes. I was participating in a a singing conference last Mm -hmm. weekend. And one of the big things, this was not about vocal technique. This was about selling your song and how to perform oh, interesting. it. And, yeah. um, and so I, you know, it was great. You saw other people go and everything. And, um, the coaches were amazing. And one of them, her big thing, she is so good at taking you and getting you to go to the emotional heart of the song, which is your heart, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on for you. And so she was always, what are the specifics, you know, what are you, what what's the backstory on this song for you? Mm-hmm. Who are you thinking about and everything? So I got up to do this comic song I have that is just so funny, but it's about this man who weighs three hundred pounds and is just sexy as hell. And so I got up and did it the way you know I do it, and nobody to that point that I knew of in my sessions with other people, had done a silly, upbeat number with this coach. So I really Mm -hmm. did not know where she was going to take me or anything. Mm -hmm. And she goes, okay, talk about specifics. She has everything down. I could see it. She knew exactly who she was singing about and why he's so sexy. (laughs) Wow, that's awesome. I know. It was really, really 
wonderful and a wonderful, you know, validation, of course, for me as a singer and a performer and everything. But it was like, Bill, Bill, you know. So, so did did you did you talk about Bill? Did you say his name? No. No, no, because in general, we keep the the backstories except for, for the people who really needed to work them out out loud, mm-hmm. um, you know, to yourself. And um, if I had not already had it all very firmly worked out in my mind and everything, I'm sure, you know, because other songs I did, she was going, who are you singing to? What is it? Mm-hmm. You know, so then that that would have been a different situation. But, you know, so that was really wonderful. And uh, because of that weekend, I met so many people and found out about so many things that I'm just, yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll go to that. Yes, I will try that. So it's Bill, Bill, Bill all the way. That's great. Well, I, I too feel sort of inspired by Bill because of some things happening in my life as well where um, I went just thinking, you know, what he says, say yes, take the chances. Mm-hmm. Do the things that maybe you, you didn't think you could do. Yes. So, I, I feel inspired by Bill as well. Good. Yeah. It's, so it's nice. do we want to sort of do a review of Hot in Cleveland? Let's talk about that because that was very recent. Yes. Um, I, I missed it when it was on, but I just illegally downloaded it as a torrent. Okay. <laughs> and and I watched it. And um, in general, there should have been more of Bill. He was only in it, what, like the last three minutes yes, or something? Yes, yes. And he was funny, but... He should never be allowed to do accents. No, because this was another one of those traveling accents, you know, went went yeah. all over the map, and I wasn't sure what he was supposed to be. No, it, it was – it detracted from his performance, unfortunately, because it was so distracting that he was trying to do an accent, yes. and he wasn't doing it. And as you say, it was going all over the place and sort of fading in and out, and I wish that he had just done it – more in his normal way without trying to affect some kind of weird accent. It would have been better. There was one point, though, when I adored the accent, and that was on his very last line. Yes, totally. That That was the best part of the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. I also got a huge kick out of him playing Shirley Jones' son because they were together in... Was it they build their houses with the backs to the sea or one of those something? One yeah, of those things yeah. we've seen, and they had some very sexy scenes together. And of course, we are sure he did her. And um, so I thought that was pretty funny too. It was great. I love the part where he was talking about um, all of the weird skin treatments she's had to look so young, yes. and then he turned to the residents and says, "She's 108." <laughs> And she was sort of going like, yes, oh, don't I look wonderful? Yes, yes. It was good. Um, I got to say on the whole, though, that's a terrible show. I had never it's seen it before. Funny. And no. ugh, it is just right out of the bottom of the traditional sitcom bag with nothing mm-hmm. new to offer. Yep. And, and the people who have the little parts, I mean, there are good actors wasted in, in bad parts. And Indeed. it's a shame because it's one of the few shows where all of the leads are women mm-hmm. and, and women who can act, yes, who have actual talent and can deliver lines. And, and aren't and young, I, it, you know, Charlie's Angels airheads. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so it would be nice to see them in something that puts their talents to better use. But somebody's watching it because it's been on for three years. Oh, God. <laughs> Dear, dear. Ah, so there's Bill doing something else like that. Mm-hmm. Now, um, do we have anything else to say about that? No, I think we've covered it. Okay. I want to talk about Bill in this magazine. The, the, the Cheese Connoisseur? The Cheese Connoisseur magazine, which I really want to call Arrogant Cheese Jerk magazine. <laughs> After Arrogant <laughs> Cigar Jerk magazine. Yes. Yeah, both of those come on the same day, I believe. <laughs> I think they do. And... Um, this is just the weirdest thing ever. So he's on the cover. Mm-hmm. First, let's talk about the cover picture. He's standing there behind a giant block of, it looks like some kind of hard Italian cheese. And he's sort of holding this little piece of cheese out towards you, yes. the reader of the magazine. Yes. And it's he's got such a weird expression on his face. And it's so heavily airbrushed, it almost doesn't look like him. Well, and a much better picture or a much better attitude bill could have played was like when he made suzanne out to lunch chick eat a ball of mozzarella cheese remember that yes 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 Yes, he was seducing her with mozzarella 
So then there's a picture of him sitting outside in a leather chair. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Let's bring the living room outside. So there's that. And then next to him is like a wooden apple crate that's set with a little cheese board. And there he is. And he's got a wine glass Mm -hmm. full of some nice red wine. And there's a selection of cheeses. And he's wearing cowboy boots. (laughs) And it's just so contrived. It's awful. It's a terrible picture. <laughs> Have you read and the it, article? Well, I read as much of it as I could see in the scans that were here. Oh, okay. Because like, I haven't read any of actually, it. Someone took a picture, pictures of the magazine mm-hmm. question. So it's, it says, William Shatner and the Fromage Frontier. Uh, oh, Hollywood's irreverent movie and TV star waxes on wine, cheese, and the life well-lived. And well-lived is doesn't have a hyphen, which is wrong. Um, let's see. Yeah, you can sort of read a little bit of, of what it says here. But there are some good quotes from him. So um, there are pictures of him holding uh, trays of cheese, again, sort of proffering them toward the viewer. Mm-hmm. And um, he says... I want an answer to the question, how do we acquire tastes for fine wine and smelly cheese? Uh, Not quite sure why he's wondering about that. It seems like it's just an acquired taste. Yes. And then he says, um, find the source of joy. For me, that's food. And I think that's a lie because I think it's sex and not food for him. But food is sex for him. I mean, it's all. Well, that's that's true. And sex is food. Um, Sex is nourishment. And the pictures, I don't know, he just looks terrible posing for these pictures. But then there are some more pictures of him sort of more dynamically cutting into the cheese with a huge knife, (laughs) which I I quite like. Um, And then it's just, I wish I could read this. Um, Oh, but he had, of course, he's promoting brown bag wine tasting Mm -hmm. because wine and cheese go together. So he had to get in his shills for that. Of course. Um, And the questioner, the interviewer says, uh, in brown bag wine tasting, you say you could be serving a $20 bottle of wine or a $200 bottle. And he says, exactly. I do that deliberately. I want people to know that you can find good wine at discounted prices if you shop correctly. And that goes for cheese as well. Okay. He also says um, he loves beer, uh, which I didn't know. I didn't know he was a beer guy. He likes, he says, um, I love beers from all over the world, especially ones that are dark, heavy, bitter, and chocolatey. And that's amazing because that's my kind of beer as well. Really? The darker the better. So we share a taste in beer. So when he starts doing brown bag beer tasting. I'll be there. Yes. Yes. Okay. So there he was in Cheese Connoisseur Magazine. (laughs) Right right, right next to an article about making ricotta cheese at home. Sure. I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. I got (laughs) nothing else to do. Oh, I, sorry, there was one other thing I wanted to mention about Hot in Cleveland. Did you see any of the little press interviews he did for it? No, I didn't. He did a very few, and there's one on YouTube, which I'll, I'll put in a link to. But this was great. Um, they asked him at the table read um, about Betty White, and he says, uh, Her skin is so soft to the touch, especially around her back. I've caressed her many times, on, off the set. It doesn't matter to her. She's an animal. <laughs> oh, Bill. But I love the fact that he says, I've caressed her many times. Really? <laughs> Only Bill gets away with stuff like that. Really? Well, speaking of wine, why don't we talk about the new Star Trek wine? Yes, yeah, Star Trek wine. Well, do you want to take that one? Sure. Um... This showed up on Trek Today. A new Star Trek-themed wine is now available for pre-order. And the fun thing is the labels are based on Juan Ortiz's artwork, the guy who's doing yes. the, the phenomenal episode posters. Mm-hmm. It comes from the Vianza Winery in Sonoma, California. It is mm-hmm. a medium-bodied red blend of Merlot, San Giovese and Cabernet Franc said a press release. This beautifully developed blend shows its unique character for a balanced and complex wine that's pleasurable from start to finish. <laughs> it can be enjoyed with pizza, grilled meats, or vegetables, or your favorite Romulan dish. 
Or you could just drink it by itself and get drunk. Sure, you don't have sure. To have it with any food if you don't want. A single bottles will sell for twenty four ninety nine, while the Star Trek sampler three bottles will sell for seventy four ninety seven. A half case six bottles will sell for one hundred forty nine ninety four, and a full case twelve for two hundred eighty five dollars. Pre orders are available, and the wine goes on sale at the beginning of August. Yes, it's available through a um, mail-order company called Vinport. Well, I was thinking we may want to get a bottle of that for our room party. Oh, that's a really good I idea. I think that would be much more enjoyable than that crap Romulan ale. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I yes, am a red wine good. fan, and I like the, the, you know, the combos like a Malbec and things like that, mm-hmm. so... Well, let's get some. Okay. Um, it would be nice if one could buy it in a store rather than having to order it over the internet. Yes. Because um, you know it's going to be expensive. But 25 bucks for a good bottle of wine, that's re- that, reasonable. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Yeah. I don't think I'd want a whole case of it, though. No, no. We should just get a bottle. A bottle would be good. Okay. Well, let's and do it. And we should it. sip let's get it while Star we Trek podcast from our fabulous room with our fabulous party. Yeah. And then we'll have to save the bottle or at least the label off the bottle mm-hmm. just to prove that we actually drank it. Yes. Yes, that's true. Good. We should send well, some to Bill. Wouldn't that be a scream if he oh. did a brown bag wine tasting not knowing it's Star Trek <laughs> wine? And when he pulled it out, he'd be like, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, speaking of Juan Ortiz... He has a book coming out. Yes. Which is exciting. It's very um, exciting because he's a very talented guy. And, and everybody wants to have them all in one place, all those beautiful right. pieces of art. Um, it'll be released in September. Um, here, I want to read this quote. What if every Star Trek, the original series episode, was a movie event? What would the movie poster look like? This was the inspiration to develop a one-of-a-kind set of images for the series that launched a franchise. Artist Juan Ortiz has created unique retro-style art with the look of a 60s movie poster, comic book, pulp novel cover, or advertisement, one each for all 80 episodes. Um, I want this book. Um, You can pre-order. It comes out on the release date is September 3rd. And uh, I think that is uh, a wonderful idea, and I'm I'm really glad to see this very very talented person, really who is totally raising the level of Star Trek art, you know, yes. to to be making money at this because it's 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 not crap at all. This is true. I I think everybody should be giving that to other folks as a Christmas gift. Yeah. This year. Yeah, that would be good. I'm sure my whole family will like it. <laughs> So, yeah, hooray, hooray for something good. Um, not Trek crap. Speaking of that, how's Captain Kirk, your salt and pepper shaker? Is he's, he doing good? He's fine. He's, he's just wonderful. He's sitting on one of my bookshelves, and I'm going to move him. So he's sitting on the bookshelf with my wonderful Star Trek dinner napkins, oh, which okay. I think will be even better. But he, oh, I love him. I just love, love looking across the room, and there he is looking so thoughtful and, you know. Oh, that's great. Now, um, one of the other things that was on your list were um, some new bobbleheads. Yes. So so my first question, before we even get to talking about this, mm-hmm. is does the bobblehead of Captain Kirk look like any one of your actor friends? Um, well, I'll tell you, the, uh, the expression on the Twilight Zone one... Mm-hmm. Actually, looks like um, a relative of mine. <laughs> uncle Snowball? No, <laughs> that's Jim's Uncle Snowball. Don't oh, you know? Oh, and Marjorie sorry. had something to say this week. I'll have to try to remember what it was, and and we'll have Marjorie drop in if it comes to me. But um, the other one it does you know nobody's springing to mind like the others did. You know, like oh my God, that's who it is. But um, I've definitely seen that expression from the the Twilight okay. Zone one on a family member. Okay. So um, well, I I would like to say I think I said this to you in an email that I think that the Captain Kirk one looks exactly like Mike Nelson from Mystery Science Theater. Oh, okay. And Rift Tracks. It really, really, really looks like him. And when I first looked at it, I was like, 
that's Captain Kirk. It looks like Mike Nelson. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to post that image on the blog, and people can weigh in to see if they agree with me about that assessment. Okay. Well, these, these two new bobbleheads, Captain Kirk and Bob Wilson from uh, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, um, will be making its debut, making their debut at the San Diego Comic Con. Um, the set is retailing for $40. Um, Bob Wilson is sitting in his airline chair looking worried. And um, <laughs> Captain Kirk is sitting in his uh, seat wishing the guy next to him would stop talking about the thing on the wing. <laughs> it's true. They do look like they're on an airplane together. Don't they? <laughs> Captain Kirk's going, I knew I should have sprung for business class. This is awful. This is horrible. (laughs) I never even thought of that. Oh, my God. That's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) The only good thing for Captain Kirk is he is not in a middle seat. (laughs) It's true. He's on the aisle, and he is just so happy And he's just stewardess more drinks. Oh, my God. Um, Now, I notice here that, um, hold on a second, this little item, which is at IGN, um, also has pictures of some, uh, a lunchbox. Right, and that is because they come inside an incredible dual-themed tin tote featuring Kirk on the bridge of the Enterprise on one side with an image of Bob Wilson and the gremlin on the other side. So, I see. I totally missed that part. So yes. Thank you. So they're not calling it lunch boxes. They're calling them tin totes. It's a lunch box. It's a lunch box. It certainly is. But that's nice. That's nice that they. If come you in, scroll in a, further a, down, there's pictures from all the different angles, so you can look at the back of Kirk's head and the back of Bob's head, and. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> that's really. I don't know. Uh, so I will definitely post that, and everybody can say who they think it looks like, because maybe it really looks like somebody else. Maybe it does. Um, maybe I just haven't met the actor friend who that looks like, and when I meet him, I'm going to say, you look like a Captain Kirk bobblehead. Really? That'll endear me well, forever. Speaking of things that look like other things, <laughs> um, let, let's talk about this thing, the personalized 3D Star Trek figurines. Yes. Because... Um, I don't like this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll just say that right off the bat. I looked at it and I was like, really? Um, but maybe you like it. So let's explain what it is because it also took me a minute to figure out what the heck was going on. Um, it's a thing where you send in a photo of yourself and then you choose the body and this company will make a little figure, a uh, 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 action figure of you as a Star Trek person mm-hmm. uh, and, and you get to choose, I guess, the color of your uniform and everything. And some of them have phasers. So maybe you can choose what piece of equipment you get to have. And um, you get to also see your um, what series that you want to be in. Uh, oh, sorry. They just have TOS right now, but they're going to do another series after it. And you get to vote on which one. And they cost 70 bucks. Yes. Which is very expensive. And, and how big are these things? Does it, does it say on here anywhere? Oh, that's a good question. Let me have a look and see if they do it. The company that makes it is called Cubify, which okay. is kind of a weird name. Well, I'm looking at the um, FAQ. Uh, uh, basic. <laughs> okay, I have to know the the answer to this question. Are these action figures or collectibles? Oh, maybe they're both. Here's maybe what they're says. action collectibles. Your figurine know. is all caps, not a toy. Oh, well, forget that then. The materials I really are if it's a toy. earth friendly and similar to ceramic in feel, but not suited for children and not rough and tumble ready. Treat your figurine with respect like a ceramic collectible. Oh, so you just get it and put it on yourself. There's a picture of someone holding yes, one. Yes, so uh, they're they're it, smaller than Barbie dolls. Yeah, they look like they're about um, maybe five or six inches high total. Mm, like I'd say maybe more hand. than that, more like eight or nine. Mm, I don't know. It's pretty small. Well, it's I'm, it's I'm a, it's to... more than twice the height of her four fingers put together. Oh, wait, oh I'm those... looking at a different. Oh, okay. 
Uh, the picture that I'm looking at mm-hmm. on just a different page has someone holding it, and it, it really looks like it only fits in, in like, somebody's hand if they're holding it up. Oh, okay. All right. So maybe, maybe oh, that's it's unclear. smaller. They, okay. Well, you'd think that they would tell you that. Especially in the FAQ. Jerks. Yeah. How big is the damn thing? Yeah. Anyway, um, first of all, here's here's the reasons why I don't like it. Um, I think that the bodies that they've given to them mm-hmm. are just weird. Uh, the male figure is wearing skin-tight clothing. It's more like superhero clothing mm-hmm. than it is uniform clothing. Um, and the figures are really buff. Like yes. the one on the front page with the gold shirt, mm-hmm. he looks like he's a bodybuilder. Yes. His arms are really big and beefy. And then um, for the, the women, um, the skirts are really, really short. They actually look a little bit shorter than was what was actually in the series. Mm-hmm. And now I have to see. So the male basic pose is hands behind the back, sort of an at ease pose. The female basic pose, she's got her hand on her hip, sort of like posing, which mm-hmm. also offends me. Like, why can't she just be posed like normal? Right. Um, so let's see what happens if we try to make a basic figure. Okay. So, yep. Oh, yeah. So the female basic pose is hand on hip and one hip kind of thrust out a little bit and one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. And it also looks like she's wearing pretty high heels, which isn't right. Yes. Yes, she is. Um, your other choices are she's holding a phaser. She's holding a tricorder, really looking mm-hmm. like a secretary. And um, she's got her hand up in a Vulcan salute. Yeah. So you get, okay, so you go through the process, there's a little wizard that sort of takes you through, Mm -hmm. and you get to choose your body type, so you can have your weight as small, medium, and large. Okay. (laughs) And then your height can be short, medium, and tall. Okay. And they look really weird, like if you pair the tall height with the small weight, you get sort of a supermodelish look, but if you pair the tall height with the large weight, yeah. you just look like a freak. <laughs> no, seriously, it doesn't look like a human being. Oh, it, dear. It looks kind of like alienish. The legs are too long, mm-hmm. and the body shape is just not really human. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah. So then you have to upload your photo, which I'm definitely not doing, mm-hmm. and then um, you add a message under the base. And... I don't know if it really looks like the way that they've portrayed it here, but it kind of looks uncannily like the photograph. So mm. I don't know. I, I People really want a little figurine of themselves as a Star Trek character? Um, maybe they do. My preference would be to um, make or have made, if I was going to do this, a really nice uniform and have a yeah. good photo taken. Yeah. Yeah, because this is, this is a little creep, creepy. This is a little voodoo doll. It, yes, exactly. That's why it bothers me, because mm-hmm. it is a little bit voodoo doll. Um, the only thing that would be cool is if you wanted to make one of, like, Brant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you could get somebody to do a, a picture of her face, and then you could have a little Brant doll, but which would be cool. I have a Brant doll. She lives at your house. <laughs> That's true. Waiting to have her hair curl. Yes, That's yes. My God. Her. Send her here. The humidity will do it. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what would happen if you sent in a picture of Shatner. You know? Like, what would it look like? What would the final thing look like? Would it look better than the Mego dolls that we have? I don't know. Those are pretty That's good. an interesting question. I don't think I'm willing to pay 70 bucks to find no, out. No, me neither. Me neither. Oh, let's see. So what else do we need to talk about in this segment? Okay, let me let me look uh, at the fabulous list. Um, oh, let's talk about, speaking of figurines, Lego mm-hmm. Kirk. Oh, yeah. Lego Kirk is pretty impressive. Um, okay, go ahead. Uh, well, wh- the first thing I was going to say about Lego Kirk is that he looks like Zap Brannigan, which isn't a bad thing. <laughs> Very true. Um, what this is, is there is a 15-year-old named Evan Bacon, not Kevin Bacon, and he I has haven't. built a number of epic Lego models of superheroes. And mm-hmm. so he has now done a Captain Kirk life-size mm-hmm. um, built out of Legos. 
Uh, it's modeled after William Shatner's original character, Good For You, Evan, using over 18,000 individual bricks glued together to make sure it doesn't come apart. While it measures nearly six feet tall, it weighs just 90 pounds, which, dare I say, this is what it says, is much less than Shatner ever did as an adult, <laughs> even when he was in good enough condition to fight the Gorn. But um, this is just pretty, pretty darn amazing. Um, he showed it off at Comic Palooza in Houston. He's currently working on a Wonder Woman. Uh, so I'm I'm just I'm just amazed by this whole thing, having the the patience and the the number of Legos <laughs> to do it. <laughs> but you're right; it does have a a sort of Zap Brannigan look. It is. It's very cool. Yes. It, I, I, I laughed a little bit at the, while it measures nearly six feet tall, mm-hmm. which is not as tall as William Shatner because he's not six feet tall. Right. Um, so it's not, not quite life-size, but it is very impressive and it's really cool. Um, there's a picture of it with uh, Iron Man uh-huh. that he's made in back of him. And the Iron Man one is also extremely cool. So Well, and one of the Just things I'm really liking, because you and I have seen the pants up close, mm. is these mm. pants are shiny. And that was They're one of the things shiny. we noticed was the pants, the real pants, mm-hmm. are shiny. The pants that William Shatner's butt was in. Yes. Pants. I was thinking about those pants the other day, <laughs> as I do sometimes. It just made me happy all over again okay. to think about the pants. Okay. <laughs> That's my happy place. Yeah. <laughs> when you're going to the dentist pants. and they say, now go to your happy place, you're thinking of the pants. <laughs> I, the, and how I was able to hug them and hold them. Yes, and how yes. That well, was. that was pretty amazing. That was a, yeah. a great experience for us. It was. Um, tell you what, on that happy note, why don't we take a little break? Okay. And then um, let's come back. We have an amazing article to talk about, and we have an Etsy segment. Yay! Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. We love our listeners, and we want to hear from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com and comment at the blog at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. This podcast produced on a MacBook Pro with GarageBand. So... I was cleaning off my hard drive the other day. I was just getting rid of lots of stuff that I don't need anymore. And I was finding all kinds of interesting Trek stuff from a long time ago that I'd just forgotten about. And I found this article. And I don't know where it came from. But the title of the article immediately caught my attention, which was Kirk's Bulge. (laughs) So I thought, this has to be good. This is really, really going to be good. Um... And this article was written in 2003, so that's how old it was and how long I saved it on my hard drive. Uh-huh. And it was it appeared in some British publication, and it was written by um, some guy named Mark Simpson that I never heard of, and it was about um, the touring exhibition of the Star Trek stuff that was then in London. Um, and I guess we went to see that somewhere mm-hmm. or we saw part of it or, or whatever, but it was in London and it had a lot of the same stuff that we saw in um, Las Vegas, I think, including some original costumes and, and some other stuff. And it was things from all of the different series. But the best part about it is really the opening paragraph, which is what I'd like to read to our listeners. Yes, please do. So here's what it says. The first thing that greets me is Captain Kirk's package. Jim's intergalactic manhood is clearly alarmingly outlined against the fabric of his tight 1960s cut black trousers, dressing very much to the left. 
I assure you I wasn't looking for it. It just loomed up like a decloaked Romulan bird of prey. It shouldn't be surprising that James Tiberius Kirk, the famously gung-ho Starfleet commander, went commando, boldly swinging where no man had swung before. Maybe that, as much as his twinkly, mascarid eyes and his captaincy of the fastest, flashiest vehicle in the galaxy, the USS Enterprise, was the secret of Caddish Jim's phenomenal success with lady humanoids and aliens alike. He says, I'm not actually in the humbling presence of the godlike genius of William Shatner himself. Rather, I'm gazing up at a monitor playing a clip from Trouble with Tribbles in a medley of classic Star Trek moments. And I kind of knew right from that opening paragraph that that's the episode he was talking about because (laughs) that's the one where you can really see that, A, he's not wearing any underwear, and B, that he's dressing to the left. Yes. Really, really, obviously. Really, really. Yes, that's right. We we should watch that episode again. (laughs) We should, just just for that, in HD and restored and everything else like that. And everything else they can do for it. Yes. So I love the fact that they opened this article with this thing about Captain Kirk's mm-hmm. package and that he referred to the godlike genius of William Shatner. <laughs> well, he's he's a man after our own hearts. He is. He really is. And um, he talks about this exhibition and talks about the good stuff and the bad stuff. And clearly, he's very much a, a TOS fan mm-hmm. and doesn't like... Um, some of the others as much. And, and I could argue about that. I think there were good things about the other series as well. It wasn't like TOS was the only good Star Trek that ever existed. Right. Um, and he makes some cracks about um, Shatner and Kirk that I don't think are really warranted. You know, I, this is a problem I have with British journalism is that a lot of times the writers kind of get carried away mm-hmm. with their own writing and really fall in love with their own writing in a way that they probably shouldn't because it's just not that good sometimes. Yeah, It's like it's them waving their hands and going, look how clever I am. I am such a clever writer. Yes. Look, look, look. Yes. I'm really, really, really clever. Um, but the fact that he points that out and kind of uses that as a a lead-in to why the original series was so much more vibrant than many of the other ones, I thought was was really good and something that people just don't talk about enough. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, there was another thing that, that I wanted to uh, read a little bit more of. Oh, here we go. Um, he says, in fact, I think I can say this with no fear of insulting Jim Carrey, himself a helpless Shatner fanatic, Bill is simply the greatest actor that Canada has ever produced. Although he was and is an outrageous ham, applying the skills he developed performing in Canada's Shakespearean theater as indiscriminately to Star Trek scripts as LBJ did Agent Orange to the jungles of Southeast Asia, bafflingly stressing words and syllables that mere mortals might think had no importance, pausing painfully in the middle of sentences while rushing headlong over their conclusions, there is something oddly powerful about many of his performances. Even something believable and human, especially in the slightly camp context of a series like Star Trek. Even Shatner's vanity is sympathetic. The tasteful, restrained, mannered, and let's face it, bourgeois seriousness of Picard and Voyager's Captain Janeway seem fairly ridiculous by comparison. And I, I agree with that, too. Well, I want to read some of the paragraph just above that because it's, it's really speaking to me. Okay. It was Shatner's Kirk, with all his magnificent flaws and vanities, however, who made Star Trek more than just another canceled 60s sci-fi series. He saved the show from its own appalling virtuousness. <laughs> um, Shatner was rock and roll. It was his perversity, his Napoleonic ego that made that made Star Trek an epic for our times. And I love this. Not for nothing was his pre-Trek project a canceled series called Alexander the Great, starring Shatner as the lovable Macedonian psychopath himself. <laughs> Shatner has earned his place in the pantheon of post-war virile degeneracy. What Brando did for the cinema and Elvis did for music, Shatner did for the small screen. Uh, I can't argue with that. Oh. I think it's all true. Yes, absolutely. So I I just love that this was here and that somebody in 2003 was writing about it. Um, the rest of the article goes a little bit more into um, – well, he mentions the um, – 
Kirk Spock slash. Yes. How it, it was really obvious that Spock was in love with his captain. And I was like, oh, well, thanks for noticing that they put that in there. Something um, not lost on the bitchy, swishy, and rather jealous ship's doctor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I also like that he mentioned that... Um, Oh, it says, for some reason, all the male Trek medical staffers have been queenie, even the holograms. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I can see that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Star anyway, Trek yeah. featured the world's first on-screen same-sex marriage back yeah. in the 60s. <laughs> it's great. and But then he goes into this whole thing about... Um, is there no truth in beauty? And mm. I didn't really get that. It's like, why are you retelling the plot? Yeah. That's kind of weird. Um, so I'm going to see if I can track this article down because maybe it is online somewhere. Like, I'm assuming that I, I actually cut and pasted this from, I don't know, The Guardian or mm-hmm. some other, you know, British newspaper. And maybe there's a link to it. But if not, maybe I can upload it somewhere so people can read it. Because I think it really is worth reading. And Um, here's something interesting. The little thing at the end about the writer. Did you mm -hmm. read this? Um, Yes. He's an author of uh, Male Impersonators, It's a Queer World, and The Queen is Dead. And his latest, Sex Terror, Erotic Misadventures in Pop Culture, is published by Harrington Park Press. Well, maybe he's writing about Star Trek in that. Maybe well, this, this certainly reads good. like it could be a chapter of it, doesn't it? It it certainly does. Yes. Maybe that's where it came yes, from. Yes, yes. So, yes. Captain Kirk's bulging trousers. Thank you for writing this, Mark Simpson. Yes, we, we love you, Mark Simpson. <laughs> um, so that was great. And let's, let's quickly talk about something else that's great, but in a very different way. Okay. So um, I, I follow a dude who is... Um, uh, a blogger, I got to bring it up here, and he has um, a, a blog that's called uh, Lady That's My Skull, and I'm not quite sure why <laughs> okay. it's called that. But he's a good writer, and he writes mostly about comics, but he also has written about Star Trek. So he wrote this blog that's called um, New Improved Star Trek Into Darkness, which immediately was like, oh, cool. So he says this. In Star Trek Into Darkness, it is Uhura, not Kirk or Spock, who ventures from the cover of the ship and alone makes contact with a Klingon patrol and tells them they are on a world on their world seeking a fugitive. A moment of empowerment for a member of the crew who is a woman. In the film, the scene plays um, the scene plays out like this, um, and we all know what happens. So uh, she goes, she talks to them. Things are starting to get really interesting. And then he threatens her, and then Khan starts shooting, and then the whole thing goes to hell. Which was really disappointing, because it would have been great to see her solve that without violence and without some sort of, you know, Khan coming in and and fucking everything up at the last minute. So, uh, he says, the implication is that the Klingon holding Ahura is about to stab her to death. It shows the audience how treacherous the Klingons are and how righteous and heroic the humans are in comparison. Then he says, like most fans of popular media, it is in hindsight that I realized I can do a better job than the professionals who actually created the product. In the actual version of the scene, the Klingons were depicted in a way that they are simple sock puppets for whatever bogeyman the public consciousness is paranoid about at any particular time. It lent tension to the scene, and who knows, maybe drama if Uhura was killed or seriously injured during the away mission. I myself would have written the scene a little differently. In my improved version, the scene plays out... Um, rem- the scene play the scene play out remains as it is up to the point that Klingon warrior seizes Uhura, and then here's how his version goes. Uhura says, "Because you care about honor, and this man has none, you and your people are in danger." And then stage direction. Suddenly, the Klingon gl- grabs hold of Uhura's face and slides a wicked-looking knife from a sheath. He shoves it into her hand and drops her to the ground. The Klingon says. If you return without the blood of your enemy on that blade, I will use it to kill you myself. And and just then, Khan starts shooting from a hidden location. So his commentary is, In my scene, Klingons appear to be more honorable than depicted in the movie, Mm -hmm. which made them out to be rather two-dimensional and evil characters just for the sake of a tense moment. Yes. In the actual film, Khan saved her before she was killed during a fruitless negotiation. In my change, Uhura was succeeding with diplomacy. 
a theme the new Star Trek films have mostly set aside before her attempt was then ruined by Khan, the villain of the piece. Yes. See? Way better. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and print this out and stick a copy into your DVD of Star Trek Into Darkness. (laughs) You are going to want it handy, so you can refer to it when the scene comes up and mentally splice my improved scene into and replace the crappy original one. It's all about building happy memories. (laughs) And I totally agree with that. So it's a little bit of... of, um, fan fiction that replaces the original and is much better than the original, in my opinion. Yes. Oh, I agree. Wouldn't that have been so interesting to actually let her succeed? Mm -hmm. Like, and to have the Klingons not be some, you know, as he says, two-dimensional sock puppets? Well, and exactly. And it, it, yeah, it definitely plays into what we now know about Klingons. And mm-hmm. as it is, I mean, they could have been on any planet. You know, it could have been a bunch of hordas or, or anything, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Just that one one really small change um, yeah. adds so much more dimension and, and reality to what, what they're up against. Yep, I agree. So I was just so happy, happy, happy with that. Really? Like, Yay. Somebody else was bothered and they actually did something. Um, speaking about the horrible movie, and uh, I promise we, I won't talk about it anymore in this show, but things keep coming up. That was one of them. Okay. And then the other was something that you had sent me, which was um, a discussion about these summer films where things keep getting destroyed and somebody else noticing and being appalled by the amount of destruction uh, right, in it. Where right, yes. the ship plows into um, San Francisco and just kills all mm-hmm. these millions of well, thousands and thousands of people. And... We're not supposed to notice it or think about right. it or, or anything. So I was really happy to see that um, somebody else gets it. So here we go. Um, I will read a little bit of this, and then I want to mention something else. Um, there's a scene in Star Trek Into Darkness where a spaceship crashes into San Francisco, obliterating Alcatraz and knocking down who knows how many other buildings, not to mention killing untold thousands before it finally comes to a stop. The key word here is untold. All of this carnage is mostly the flashy backdrop for a foot chase between the heroes and villains. They barely even notice the mass casualties all around them as they chase the one guy they want to capture in order to save a single wounded person on their ship. They succeed, of course, but at what cost? It's hard to say because the movie barely addresses the devastation it has wrought for cheap, violent thrills. I guess the needs of the many really don't outweigh the needs of the few. Very, very well said. So that was great. And then um, I I went to see the new Superman movie, um, which I really didn't like very much. Mm-hmm. And the same fucking thing happened at the end of that oh, movie. Geez. It turned into a giant fist fight between the two guys, the good guy and the bad guy, in Metropolis, which, again, killed thousands of people. Just their fist mm-hmm. fight killed thousands of people. And you're not supposed to notice it. Right, right. It's just all this devastation that's happening and you're not supposed to care and plus it's really really reminiscent of 9-11 because there are buildings that are like collapsing and falling down because they've had like the middle of them sliced out and I was watching it like too soon guys you really can't be doing this it's not okay I get the creepiest feeling that in Hollywood they study that 9-11 footage to to figure out how how to use that how to recreate that and and that's that's beyond callous. It's it was it was nauseating. It really yeah, was. Yeah. And, and I just was having such a hard time watching it. And this this whole article that I read at, at Comics Alliance about the character of Superman in this movie is saying this is why it's not a good Superman movie is because he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. It's like he doesn't care about the fact that he's killing millions of people with his fist fight and it he just is sort of callously destroying things. He's the hero. How can he be a hero when he's causing the deaths of, of thousands and thousands of people? Right, right. How can he be an inspirational figure? And um, the the reviewer says at the end of it, um, the, the big difference is it, Superman was created and they gave him the catchphrase, like, look up in the sky. Like, you were supposed to be in awe and wonder of mm-hmm. a man flying through the sky. And now, he says, if you see a man flying through the sky, don't gasp and point in awe. Scream and run for cover. No one can save you. Really? And it's like, I am very disturbed by this trend in these movies mm-hmm. where people just, like, thousands of people get killed. And then you take a hero like Superman and 
he's not a hero. Right. Because you can't kill all those people mm -hmm. and be a hero. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. So anyway, this is why I didn't like the Superman movie. And at least in the Marvel movies that I like and go see, they try very hard to avoid that. The the superheroes consciously try to take the devastation out of populated areas. They're caring about it. They're trying not to let buildings crash on folks and mm -hmm. let normal people get killed for no reason. Yeah. So anyway. Very good. Just wanted to say that. Okay. Well, should we go on to something fun? Do you want to do Etsy Yes, now? I want to do Etsy. I have the links in front of me and I'm dying to open them. Okay. Well, now I have to start opening my links. Okay. okay. So we're going to do these in order. And some of them are just sort of cool, and some of them are really appalling. So, <laughs> a classic um, Etsy segment. Yes. So the first one is one of those Star Trek records, um, and oh. I've got a couple of these. But this one was intriguing to me because it's got a picture from Star Trek the movie on the yes. cover. Yes. So it's a 45, it's vintage 1979 vinyl collectible record, and it's called Star Trek The Human Factor. And right under Star Trek, it says, original stories for children inspired by Star Trek. <laughs> Once upon Which a time. Kind of Once upon a time. So here's what it says. This is officially one of our favorite items in the shop right now and unopened. So that's pretty amazing. Um, Star Trek The Human Factor 7-inch Vinyl 45 record circa 1979. This was actually the last record in the series of Star Trek vinyl stories for kids and is a must-have for any Star Trek collector. Among the, very among the many notable details of this album, Sulu is incorrectly referred to as Ensign rather than Lieutenant. Gasp. <laughs> Um, and then they have others that they're selling as well. But, um, yeah, kind of weird that they made one and they put this picture from the, the movie. And I'm sure that the story has absolutely nothing to do with the movie or the fact that Kirk was an admiral or anything like that. They just picked some photo and slapped it on the yeah. front because they needed to sell it. Now, do the actors participate in this? I don't think they do. I believe that they just hired some voiceover dudes to do it, and um, they sound nothing like the people. And they have to do a lot of, um, you know, Captain Kirk, what do you think about this? <laughs> well, Mr. Spock, this is what I think about this, so you know who the hell it's supposed to be. Right, right. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. there's that. So, so if anybody owns this, we'd love to know um, how bad it is. Oh, you know, I could probably someone someone must have recorded the audio and posted it online somewhere. Yeah, so I bet. Maybe maybe I'll see. I'll see if we can get hold of that. Okay. All right. So that's just a thing. Okay. Um. Then then the next thing is kind of goofy. Um. This is Star Trek inspired. Oh dear. A pair of <laughs> hand stamp. Yeah. A pair of hand stamped aluminum bracelets. And one of them says, you're the Kirk to my Spock. And the other one says, you're the Spock to my Kirk. Oh, and man. the way they're stamped, it kind of looks like children's handwriting, yes. which makes it kind of creepy. Yeah. Kind of creepy for me. Doesn't it? Yes. Okay. Um, this refers to, uh, refers, of course, to the two friends of the Star Trek television and film series. These phrases are stamped onto aluminum cuffs, a great gift for any pair of Star Trek fans. Oh, God. So, you know, the thing about it is, is like if you and your, your partner were wearing these, it would immediately brand you as like a Slash fan right there. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know? Oh, yes. And, you know, I, I just, I don't know. You're the Kirk to my Spock. You're the Spock to my Kirk. Is that really the kind of relationship you want to have with someone? No. No. That, that's really creeping me out. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like, I wouldn't give you one of these. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah, no way. No way. Because if I gave you the one that said, you're the Spock to my Kirk, that would be really insulting. Yes. And. I wouldn't give you the one also that says you're the Kirk to my Spock because I don't want to be Spock. I want us both to be Kirk. <laughs> we are both Kirks. We are. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, okay. 29 bucks for these things yeah, too. Yeah, that's Whoa. too creepy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now here comes the next one and this just cracked me the heck up. Okay. Vintage Star Trek Band-Aid. <gasps> it's my Band-Aid. I was going to say, you have this. <laughs> They're selling one, one Band-Aid. <laughs> I got to read the title 50. on it. 
vintage Star Trek Band-Aid, Trekkies, Mr. Spock, William Shatner, Mr. Spock, collectible movie memorabilia, Father's Day. <laughs> so get this for your dad for Father's Day. <laughs> your dad, I got you an $11 Band-Aid. Band-Aid. <laughs> One Band-Aid, $11. What the heck? Vintage Star Trek collectible Band-Aid with an illustration of Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, and I think he's called Scotty. <laughs> No, actually, but. <laughs> it's not. It, it's it's McCoy. It says, "I think he's called Scotty, as in beam me up." I'm not a Star Trek fan, so if you want to enlighten me, feel free. Item is an unused band-aid. Oh, thank, oh God. thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> One band-aid for eleven dollars. Eleven fifty. Sorry. And there's, so. um, this is really interesting. I haven't noticed this on yours. But, you know, Spock is holding his hand up really far forward in the Vulcan salute. But then yeah, above like his head you. is a disembodied Vulcan saluting <laughs> hand. <laughs> and Kirk looks like he's blonde. Yeah. He's got, like, see-through hair or something, <laughs> which is weird. Because in, in the movie, his hair is much darker than it was in the series. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have yes. those lovely blonde highlights in the front. Ooh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that, that just cracked me up. Yep. yep. So maybe I could sell each of the Band-Aids in my box for eleven fifty each. At least. At least. At yeah. least. <laughs> oh, I love Etsy. Okay. It gets better. Okay. It's okay. So we have to look at the Captain Kirk watercolor. Wait, wait, you skipped one. one. Did I? Yes. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought I clicked through on that one. No. Okay. So um, now, now we're going to look at an item that has me puzzled, completely puzzled. It's wedding men's bow tie, William Shatner, pink, green, and blue. I don't understand what William Shatner has to do with a bow tie. There is nothing in this description in anything else that ties it to William Shatner. Why? Really? I just don't know. And he didn't design it. I sure wouldn't wouldn't marry the guy who would wear this. Um so it says it's made from fabric from Liberty of London, so it's nice. It's adjustable in the back. It's a self-tie. So it's it says which is not only more stylish but also much more traditional. Um so, yeah, that's really nice, but what the heck does it have to do with William Shatner? Really? It doesn't uh, say... And it's... That's... Th- and it's fi- it's $56 for a bow tie. Now, they have other bow ties that also have the names of celebrities attached to them, which I don't understand either. So, is it supposed to be, like, inspired by William Shatner, or... I, I I just don't know. I I'm don't mystified. either. It's really kind of weird. So very nice, nice that they're selling these beautiful things, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't get it. Yeah, that's okay. I'm puzzled. Yeah, this is what turned up in my my Etsy search when I looked that's for William very Shatner. Bizarre. I kind of, I sat there and I went, huh? <laughs> <laughs> just like that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Now let's look at. An 8 by 10 print. Captain Kirk, watercolor, ink, Star Trek, William <gasps> Shatner, science fiction, <laughs> vintage, Spock, nerd, 60s, space, pop art, portrait, surreal. That's what's in the description of this item. So it came up on different searches. All of these words are in the description. And this is the ugliest damn thing I have ever seen in my life. Do you agree? Yes. And um, other than the too greasy hair, because it's based on that picture we hate, it looks nothing mm-hmm. like Bill. And the no. bottom half of the of the the face, if you cover up the top half, is Randy Quaid. <laughs> and I can't figure out whose eyes those are. I mean, I've seen basset hounds with happier eyes. He looks like he is so. Whoever this guy is, and it's not William Shatner, looks like he is so hungover. Like oh, he yeah. had the worst bender of his entire life. Wow! It's so ugly. It's the worst thing ever. Hideous. Yes. Just totally hideous. Oh, and did you look down in the description? The very first line? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. It says, it it doesn't say Captain Kirk. It says Captain Kurt, K-U-R-T. Yes, print. Oh, my God. Signed by me, the artist. 
the artist. Well, artist, I hate to say it, but this is bad. This is really, really bad. Oh, yeah. It, Ooh, scroll down and look at the bad Mr. Spock. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't see that. Where is the bad Mr. Scroll Spock? Scroll down. It says related items in this shop. I'm not seeing it. Why is it not coming oh, up? Oh, I don't know. Okay, how bad is it? Well, let me let me click so I can really see it. Oh man, he's got really bad eyes too. I mean, it looks more like Nimoy than the Shatner one does, but um, and he's got red highlights in his hair instead of blue. It's not quite as awful as Bill's, but it's the same weird, sad eyes. Oh, I'm looking at it now. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Oh, that's bad. Oh, he's cross-eyed. <laughs> he really is. Now, this artist has also done another Spock, which is the same. It's based off the same photograph, but he's a vampire. He's basically a vampire in this one. Oh, God. His skin is really white, and his eyes are red, and his lips are red. And, yeah, that's really pretty bad. Yeah. Oh. No, no, no. No, not good, not good. And the um, the title says, Spock, Star Trek, Science Fiction, Vintage, Vulcan, 60s, Enterprise, Captain Kirk, Fantasy, Fetish, Nerd, Geek, Geekery. <laughs> fetish. Fetish nerd. Yeah, I'm a fetish, fetish nerd. nerd. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Ew, okay. okay. So that was that was really bad. Okay, but I saved the best for last. Alrighty. This is I actually I want this. This is so cool. So first of all, have you clicked on it yet? Yes. <gasps> okay. <laughs> the thing that people need to understand is that there's a comic book character called the Punisher. Okay. And and they've I think they've made a movie out of it as well. And he has um a his superhero costume has it's all black and it's skin tight and it's got this skull on the front. <laughs> and so what someone has done is to turn it into a movie poster that says William Shatner is the Punisher in Technicolor, and they photoshopped Bill's head as Captain Kirk onto somebody in a Punisher costume. <laughs> but read the top. The, the best part is at the top. The top says. Bad girls get spanked. <laughs> Bad guys get punished. <laughs> and then at the bottom it says, a violent erotic thrill ride. Banned in three states. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, it, okay, is The Punisher an actual movie? I believe it is, and I think that that's what that is. Okay, because I'm um, noticing it's got so, credits like directed by Roger Corman and, and things like yeah. that. Oh, but it but it wasn't directed. It was a recent movie. It was oh. just like a terrible superhero. So all this stuff is made up by the the person. Oh my who god! Put this probably um, I don't know. And my, red button says microfiche. <laughs> and Eartha Kit as Barracuda. <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wouldn't that be the best movie ever? <laughs> but I love this poster. It's so good. And then the description is is like. Um, a real thing. It says, the 1969 American International Pictures classic starring the great William Shatner as Frank Castle, a.k.a. The Punisher, and Ernest Borgnine as his arch nemesis, The Kingpin. It's a violent, erotic thrill ride that's not to be missed. Celebrate this campy classic that was never made with a professionally printed <laughs> 11 by 17 poster. Oh, my goodness. I love this. That is amazing. It is so good, and Bill looks great as the mm-hmm. Punisher. Yeah, well, Bill could punish me. Oh, I just love the fact that the very first thing on the poster says, bad girls get spanked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. So, yeah, it comes from a little shop on Etsy called Best Movies Never Made. Oh, I love that. That is and a I wonderful agree. idea. Yep. Wow. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's what I wanted to end the this show on. That's Bill Shatner as the, the Punisher. Punisher. Yeah. Yes, Can't punish me, punish me. Punish me. <laughs> Just like the castle anthrax. Yes, yes. Yes, he could have been there. Yes. So, listeners, that's what we have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed learning about all these crazy things. Yes, And there indeed. were things we didn't even get to on the list. Right. There were just well, even more there things. there always are, you know. Yes. 
So um, as always, please send us your comments, your questions, your, your little um, things that you notice that are out there in the world that we might have missed because as busy as we are trying to keep up with Bill, we miss stuff. He's just doing too much for oh, any two women to keep up with. He is everywhere. So um, next time we'll have even more and different stuff and um, maybe we'll have some more Etsy stuff. It depends if uh, those people on Etsy get busy making Trek crap, you know, who knows. <laughs> Um, oh, oh! I did want to mention just one more thing. Yes. Bill's been tweeting a lot of really good stuff lately, and I was so happy to see how happy he was about um, the stuff happening here in California with Prop 8 being yes. struck down yes. once and for all and DOMA also being put to death once and for all, so that was great. Um, but just Bill being everywhere. So I, I follow Bruce Campbell on Twitter, the wonderful Bruce Campbell from the Evil Dead movies mm -hmm. and, and all sorts of other things. And he has a thing that he, he likes to do with his followers, which is that he gets them to post pictures of them lollygagging, <laughs> which I thought was pretty cool. So it's usually people like sitting by a pool or, or you know, up in the mountains and you can see they've got their feet up and maybe a, a little bottle of beer next to them or something, which is kind of awesome. So he's got this whole series of lollygagging pictures and Bill sent a tweet to Bruce Campbell saying, when can we get together to lollygag? <gasps> oh, like, Bill, you know everybody, oh. and you're on top of things. I know. And it's amazing the people like, <laughs> the people he mentions on his, on his tweets saying, let's get together. We would have so much fun, you know. Yeah, and Jeez. the fact that he's in on the whole lollygagging thing, just, like, I can't believe it. This is amazing. So yes. I retweeted that because I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. Well, good. Well, we have finished our show, and now we have important lollygagging to get back to. It's true because it's over 100 degrees here in California, oh and I must God. go lollygag in my pool so I don't melt. Okay, that sounds good. So, yeah, so as always, listeners, thank you so much for listening to our show. Send us comments. We love you all. You're the best people in the whole world, and we'll be back soon with another show. And don't forget, start making plans to be at Creation Con in November yes. and coming to our room party. Our room party, it's going to be awesome, totally awesome. Yes, we will be and, doing and a brown bag wine tasting with Star Trek wine. <laughs> That's right. We'll have the Star Trek wine, so you all will get to taste it at that point. So until next time, guys, bye. Bye.